Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Recapping a busy, busy Monday in the National Football League. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Holy cow, we already did a DeAndre Hopkins podcast. But Stefan Diggs got traded, and Brian Tannehill got re-signed, and Amari Cooper signed an extension, and Austin Hooper, Hooper, is on the Browns. Welcome to the show, Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Ben Gretsch. Man, are we gonna get to get to see the potential of Stefan Diggs unlocked with the Bills, or is this more of a wah wah? Uh, I would say it's a little more wah wah than unlocking of potential. I don't, I don't know what's exactly changed here, especially for the better. The only thing I can think of that's for the better for Diggs is that he's going to see more targets. But really, though? I don't, I don't know if the quality of targets are going to be any better than what they were in Minnesota. In fact, I'd worse. go as far to say that they will be worse. Oh, Ben Gretsch, what do you think? I know how much you love Stefan Diggs. What, what do you think? I'm, I'm in mourning after the trade. It's been... <laughs> It's been a rough evening to, you know, I, I was excited for Diggs to get out of Minnesota where they've kind of not really given him a consistent role. Two years ago, 148 targets, 149 targets, something like that, and over 100 catches in a really low A dot role. And then last year, he winds up as just being completely shifted out of this like short area target um, kind of possession receiver role. Um, not entirely, but that's that, that was a big part of his 2018 role into just a purely deep threat role. He doesn't even get 100 targets. He um, absolutely crushes at that, too. This guy can do everything. I, I think he's the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. I've said this before. Uh, I think he's potentially a top five player at the position in the entire NFL, and I don't think anyone thinks of him like that. Um, went for over 1,100 yards on 94 targets. That's just an absurd yards per target ratio from last year. And the the one way that I think it benefits him is the Bills do have John Brown as a field stretcher. I think Diggs will be more of a traditional like alpha number one um, that will operate at all depths. And, and you'll, you'll see John Brown be the, the deep guy. And obviously Beasley out of the slot will be an underneath option. But Diggs will get, I think, targets at all depths. Um, but you're right. I mean, Josh Allen's he's improving and, and there's a reason to really like him, but the guy's never thrown for 270 yards in a game. As much as everyone wants to talk about his big arm and we've seen highlight downfield completions, he's never even really approached a 300 yard passing game. He's not a consistent enough passer. He scrambles. He's not good for the skill position players around him because he's more of a playmaker with his legs and things. And, and, and is a little bit erratic on an accuracy standpoint. So, yeah, I think Diggs' oh. targets can, can go up. I think his A dot will come down. I think he has the potential to do more, but it's it's not a huge upgrade at all. Erratic is the perfect word for it, Ben. Uh, he, he ranked 22nd in deep ball accuracy last year at 30.9%. Cousins was significantly higher than that. He was 18 of 68 on 20-plus yard passes. Had four touchdowns, three interceptions. He had the ninth most attempts, those 68 attempts. Cousins had 61, and he was more accurate than Allen was. So I, I think you're almost being generous with Josh Allen there. It's uh, it, it's going to be frustrating. I, I like to think of it as if John Brown can get 1,000 yards and six touchdowns in this offense, then I'd like to think Stephon Diggs can as well. 
but that feels kind of close to his ceiling. I don't, I don't see him breaking out. And a lot of it does have to do for me with, with Josh Allen. And some of that has to do with Buffalo being just as much of a, of a run focused offense as Minnesota kind of was. Oh yeah. And probably will be moving forward. Yeah. Well actually, so in four years under Mike Zimmer, or the last four, last four years with Stefan Diggs sort of you know putting up good numbers, about at least 900 yards or more, or at least like 850 yards or more in those four years. Minnesota's had two seasons where they've actually thrown the ball a lot and two seasons where they barely thrown the ball at all. Whereas the Bills, three seasons with Sean McDermott, they barely thrown the ball. They throw about 31 times per game, something like that. I mean, it's similar to what we've seen from Minnesota. I don't know that the pass attempts per game are going to be much different from Minnesota to Buffalo. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you got, you, you can't really even compare the two. Kirk Cousins has been so much better than Josh Allen in the last two seasons, but Allen's going into his third year and hopefully he's going to improve. And hopefully this is the type of player he's, that he needs. But if you just want the numbers in two seasons with the Vikings, cousin has it, it, basically, I did his per 16 game pace, 4,298 yards and 3,843 yards. Josh Allen's 16-game pace based on his starts, um, 2,909 yards, 3,290 yards. That does not include what he did in Week 17 where he threw five times for five yards. So uh, just the completion percentage isn't as good. The yards per attempt, definitely on paper a quarterback downgrade, but we don't. But maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a breakout from Josh Allen. So I'm going to ask you guys for uh, for th- three winners and three losers. But before we do that. Yesterday, Dave, you you and Jamie both put Kyler Murray ahead of Deshaun Watson. Now, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, how would you rank them? In that order. Ben? Yep. Okay, so still going Watson over Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I think Watson's closer to Kyler Murray than Josh Allen is. Again, Josh Allen's not an accurate quarterback. He, he no. hasn't played with a receiver like Diggs. We, but the we running. We see a step forward, but... He has nowhere near the passing upside of Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson. You better hope that Stephon Diggs has a career year in terms of yards after catch in order for him and Josh Allen to come through as huge fantasy winners this year. That Stephon Diggs does? Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 Diggs better have. That's what I said, right? Yeah. 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 You know me. I mess up names from time to time. But Diggs needs to be a monster after the catch. To make up for the deep ball inaccuracy. Okay. Will Fuller or Stefan Diggs? Oh, Diggs. Diggs, Diggs, Diggs. Okay. Yeah, I, I would take Diggs there too, because I expect the Texans to add someone, but you you gotta be a lot higher on Fuller than than people have been like so far in our mocks this offseason. Yeah, all, all the sadness that you have for Stefan Diggs, Ben Gretch. I mean that it's all well, it's put not it into, totally put it into I mean, positiveness I, I for, for like, Will Fuller. What Sorry, what, what was Put that? it into happy thoughts for Will Fuller. Yeah, that's true. I can do that. <laughs> the, I think that some of the concern about Allen's accuracy, we, we do have to acknowledge that he hasn't had great receivers to play with. And Diggs gets open. Like, he creates a lot of separation. It could help. You know, it could yeah. certainly help. All right, let's do three winners, three losers. By the way, Tom Brady will not return to the New England Patriots. We, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're just going to throw this in there. Greatest quarterback of all time. Not going to be the Patriots. Uh, we're not going to react yet because hopefully later in the day we'll know where Tom Brady's going. And I anticipate our next podcast will be 
tomorrow, but maybe we'll hop on and do a little bonus pod when Brady signs. And obviously, we're going to spend about 30 minutes talking about Randall Cobb today as well, I would say. At least 30 minutes. But no, Austin Hooper, definitely going to talk about him. And uh, a lot more. My goodness, a lot of news. A lot of defensive news. Dolphins have been very active. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do three winners and three losers. Ben, Did who you are... just tease the, the Dolphins' defensive moves? As, as, I as think Adams pick. found his last round pick. The Dolphins' deep. No, I'm just the saying. Dolphins we got to talk DST. about football. We got to talk about football. You're all in man. on Kyle Van Noy. <laughs> uh, I love Kyle Van Noy. He was um, my favorite interview that we had at Super Bowl week. Were you on that interview, Dave? I don't believe so. Oh, man. He was awesome. Very insightful. And I think the Dolphins got themselves a, a very heady player. They'll be happy. So who are your winners, Ben? Well, I think uh, before I name anything, I, I think there were like it was a really optimistic day for fantasy football. I think a lot of times, you know, maybe we don't really recognize this most years, but a lot of times guys don't land where you want them to land or situations don't really go the way you want. I have a lot more winners than losers from yesterday. And so I'm going to name five winners. I'm just going to cheat. Oh. I have Kyler. I have Josh Allen, uh, Will Fuller, Kenyon Drake, and Hayden Hurst is kind of my under the radar winner. All right. Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Traded and so, okay. Fine. So Dave, how about you name your winners? We'll see if there's overlap. I, I only have three and I do have something to say on Hayden Hurst as well. Uh, Drake and Kyler are obvious winners, but you forgot one, Ben, the most obvious one of all. R-B-T-B-D-A-T-L. <laughs> yeah, that's a winner. That's a winner. I don't know who it's going to be, but that's a winner. The new Falcons running back, who will be teammates with Hayden Hurst. Busy day in football, and that one kind of flew under the radar. Who, who are you more excited for? Hayden Hurst? This is a real question, by the way. Hayden Hurst or Blake Jarwin? It's a good question. I, I'm excited for the upside for both. Um, you know, like we, we look at like Jimmy Graham signed with the bears. And, and one of the things I was going to notice, I will have Jarwin and Hayden Hurst and even some other guys that are, that, that we've heard good news about earlier in the off season and guys like John New Smith and Ian Thomas, who are all going to be 2020 tight end breakout candidates. I'll have all those guys over a guy like Jimmy Graham. Oh yeah. I, I don't oh, know yeah. what the bears were doing. That's a terrible <laughs> signing. Um, I've got Hurst ahead of Jarwin for now. It's based on, I, I, I told myself, all right, I'm going to spend 10 minutes watching Hayden Hurst yesterday. That's what I told myself. And then I spent an hour watching him and an hour watching Austin Hooper and noticing some subtle differences between the two of them and how they could end up working together or working, uh, how one will end up working in Atlanta and the other one can end up working in Cleveland. And I'm kind of optimistic about Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to be worth a, a dart throw in the late rounds. And for Jarwin, he's had four games in his career with more than four targets. In all four of those games, Blake Jarwin has had seven to eight targets. And he's he's done all right with them. He uh, had three touchdowns in one game. Remember week 17 last year? Against the Giants, he had 118 yards and, and three t 119 yards and three touchdowns. The week 17 of 2018, pardon me. The other three games, he had 45 to 56 yards. He's been okay, but he caught, catches a lot of his targets. So, like I said, he's had seven or eight targets in three or four game in four games. In three of those four games, Blake Jarwin caught six to seven 
of those seven to eight targets. So that's very nice. And also, a lot of targets gone now from the Cowboys, assuming Jason Witten doesn't come back. Randall Cobb at 83 targets. Jason Witten also at 83 yeah, okay. targets. I got to run, guys. I, Adam, I got to run. Oh, for HQ? I got to go on HQ. All right. Dave's going on HQ. Ben and I will hold down the fort. Now, you did not mention Austin Hooper among your winners, right? I did not. In, in fact, teaser, spoiler alert, he is on my losers oh, list. Is he like the only loser? He and Stefan Diggs are the only losers? Yeah, they are too. And, and Deshaun Watson is my third. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, we didn't talk that much about Deshaun Watson yesterday, but this is this could be crippling. I mean, you took Jordy Nelson away from Aaron Rodgers what four years ago when he tore his ACL, made an enormous difference. I think Rodgers was about QB eight or something like that that year. But we're talking about he was the best player in football, and then he lost Jordy Nelson, and he wasn't nearly as good. Uh, I'm. I'm nervous about Sean Watson. Now, the difference is he does a lot more with his legs. I mentioned he was only, I think, 13th in passing yards last year. But, yeah, I, I mean, you didn't even hesitate to put him ahead of Josh Allen. But Allen's a better fantasy rusher than Deshaun Watson. And we don't know what Watson is going to look like without DeAndre Hopkins. It, 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 could, be, it could be severely damaging for his fantasy value. It could. Uh, I... I, I think the way you set all this up, the comparison to Rodgers and everything is great. And I, I can kind of walk through it. Rodgers, I think a lot of it was he had such a preternatural connection with Jordy Nelson. And it was such a timing thing. Um, they, they were always so good at that. Watson, um, you know, has always had stuff like that with DeAndre Hopkins. But I don't think to the same degree. He's more of a... Um, you know, obviously he's he's more athletic, and even apart from his scrambling ability, he's more of a a, a play extender. He's more of an out of structure type player, or he can make a lot of plays out of structure. And that's not to say that Rodgers can't, but um, Watson is just such a competitor. We've seen this all the way since his time in Clemson. It, it's shown up in his stats when he when he trails his um, not just obviously his attempts go up, not just his raw statistics go up, but his efficiency goes up as well. He's a very good uh, quarterback, period. But obviously losing a player like DeAndre Hopkins has to hurt. I just still think he is good enough. And Will Fuller, I still have a lot of faith in. And they still have some other options. Now, I, I do think they still need like a, a legitimate number one, like a you know someone like a DeAndre Hopkins, because right now they just have a bunch of like role players. They have two deep guys in Fuller and Stills. And now they added Randall Cobb. They already had Kiki Cutie as kind of underneath options. They have a bunch of tight ends. They now have two of the best pass catching running backs in the league, but they don't have like a target hog number one. They really could use a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins. It's definitely a knock for Watson, but I, I think Watson as you know himself, who he is, is talented enough to overcome this to a degree. Right, I'm going to go back to the losers in a bit, but I, I think we need to talk a little bit more about Kenyon Drake. I have Calvin Ridley also as a winner. I didn't expect oh, yeah. Austin Hooper to come back to um I didn't expect him to come back to the Falcons. This is not a surprise, but I guess I didn't quite realize the splits for Calvin Ridley with and without Austin Hooper and before Austin Hooper got hurt basically. Ridley was not that good. I mean, he was like not even a top 30 wide receiver. And then his next four games were huge. One of those games, or maybe his next three games, one of those games did come with Austin Hooper coming back. But Sanu was off the team at that point. But obviously, right. it's a big win for for him. For Kenyon Drake, all right, 
This is my favorite, I think, statistic. Uh, he played eight games with the Cardinals. In two of those games, he had more than 16 carries. He had 22 to 24 carries in two of the eight games he played with the Cardinals. Do you know what those two games had in common? They were both against the 49ers? They were the only two wins that the Cardinals had with Kenyon Drake. And in those two games, 22 and 24 carries, that's 46 carries, he had 16 carries in the fourth quarters of those two games. So it was cool. They used him like a conventional running back. They ran the clock out with him. And maybe we'll see a workload we've never seen before from Kenyon Drake. Here's my question for you. When are you drafting Kenyon Drake? And would you rather have Drake or Austin Eckler? I would rather have Eckler. Um, I'm still drafting Kenyon Drake pretty high, though. I I think he pretty clearly gets um, enough of a bump to be ahead of like that running back dead zone that I mentioned. He's at least a top three round pick, and he's a, a, a running back you can take before that area where for me, I will almost always go away from the position. It's, it's clear now he's going to be the lead back in an offense. That's going to be uh, ideally improved. We don't know that for sure. We, they, they need to address the offensive line a little bit, but they're going to be fast paced and they're going to at least play, you know, a, a fantasy friendly style, even if they're not necessarily massively improved. Um, yeah. And, and the competition is just not there in that backfield. They, they really like him and he showed late last season that he's, you know, a good fit for that st- that offense as well. So you, you got to feel pretty comfortable about him. He's got to be at least in the top 15 backs in the league. I mean, based on what Cardinals running backs did last year, you should, based on what happened last year, you should take Kenyon Drake in the first round. Because David Johnson, I've given this stat before, top seven running back in the first six weeks. Chase Edmonds, top seven running backs for the next two weeks. Kenyon Drake, number four running back in fantasy in the last eight games of the season, which was nine weeks with that bye. Number four in both non-PPR and PPR. Here's something that I really wanted to get your take on because you have been the the person that I've heard say mobile quarterbacks don't throw to running backs as much. And was Kyler Murray just the exception? And if you look at Kenyon Drake's catches, actually, he had 28 catches in eight games with the Cardinals, but 16 of those catches were in the first three games, only 12 in the last five games. But I did think that was weird because I, I took a look at all the running backs who had 50 or more catches, and most of them played with immobile quarterbacks. Okay, Christian McCaffrey, Eckler, Kamara, Tariq Cohen, Leonard Fournette, an exception. Gardner Minshew ran quite a bit. James White, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Ezekiel Elliott, an exception. Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, kind of an exception. Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, uh, you know. But now we're getting into more like the 50 range. But basically what I'm saying is, You've made a great point. Quarterbacks who who run the ball don't throw to running backs as much. Didn't that didn't hold true with the Cardinals? What do you expect in year two with Kyler? Well, yeah, they run a lot of plays, which is helpful. But yeah, I mean, the, it's not even uh, you know. There's there's data that supports this. Like quarterback rushes and running back receptions are inversely correlated. Meaning, the more quarterback rushes we see, the fewer running back receptions we see. One thing I think is you know, really notable about the Arizona offense. And they did this a ton with Drake, but they also did it with David Johnson earlier in the season. They'll split their running backs out wide in this offense. Like they, Kenyon Drake late in the year. Um, the first thing I thought when you brought up his receptions, I'd have to go back and actually kind of track it, but I know he caught some balls on just, uh, 
basically like bubble screens, quick, quick hitters to the outside where he was split out wide as a running back. You know, they, they, uh, Kingsbury likes to get the ball out to him on the edge and, and get blocking out in front of him. And he did that with David Johnson some. Uh, and, and he had David Johnson run a few routes down the field, not as many as I would have liked early in the season last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the Kingsbury offense. It's, I don't think it's, um, like I think that's why you could see Murray rush and still see running back targets is they're they're willing to split their offense so wide and, and get Drake out on the edge and throw a, a quick hit to him or have him run some routes down the field where he's not necessarily you know a, a running back getting a dump off pass it's it's a more non traditional usage of of a running back in a passing game. All right, Kenyon Drake or Le'Veon Bell. I'll take Drake. Kenyon Drake or. Miles Sanders. Ooh. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one for me. <laughs> I don't think it was crazy for you to say that Drake could go in the first round. And I, you know, I've had Sanders, I think, a little bit higher than most this offseason. I, you know, I really like what his potential will be going forward, but I think you have to feel more comfortable with Drake's share of his backfield. So I'm going to ask you again for those fantasy losers, and then we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Austin Hooper in particular getting traded or getting signed by the Cleveland Browns and Sir, are a lot of mouths to feed for the Browns, who might be a pretty run-heavy offense. Uh, I just want to <clears throat> promote a few things really quickly here. Always a good time to leave us a nice review in Apple Podcasts. And right now, if you want to leave uh, your thoughts on free agency, I wouldn't really do predictions because, you know, oh, those are going to be kind of moot uh, after the next couple of days in most cases. But if you want to give your thoughts on the guys who are getting signed, guys who are getting traded please feel free. Leave us a five-star review and a nice comment and ask your question or your comment about free agency and we can read them next week or maybe even later this week. And if you're looking to fill that sports void right now, we've got some podcasts for you. Go to cbssports.com slash podcasts. Look, we can do podcasts from home, so we're not going anywhere. You know, we're going to be on the air throughout this whole national crisis and trying to get everybody through this and taking your mind off of it a little bit. So fantasy baseball today is going to be most days, if not every day. Uh, but pick six. If you want to talk a little football with Will Brinson and his friends, during the free agency, they're going to be on like all the time. They're going to have a ton of, ton of episodes. Just download the Pick 6 podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and uh, it's just a great way to follow football, and you, you will enjoy it. So your losers were Deshaun Watson, Austin Hooper, and who? Diggs? Yeah, Diggs, but I don't think he's actually a huge loser in leaving Minnesota. It's more for my expectations or my hopes that, you know, he could have had the potential to really unlock his ceiling. And what about Hooper? What do you think about this move to Cleveland? Well, Hooper, I, I noticed the loser here, but I also think Nick Chubb's a loser. I also think Kareem Hunt's a loser. Um, we're going to see, and I wrote about this yesterday, we're going to see a lot of... Um, Two tight end and two running back sets from Cleveland this year. So Kevin Stefanski last year used 11 personnel only 18% of the time, which is the lowest rate in the league. 11 personnel means one running back, one tight end. That's what whenever you hear those numbers, the first one refers to how many running backs, the second to how many tight ends. And there's five skill position players uh, on any given play. So it leaves three receivers when you hear one running back, one tight end. Yeah. Now, real quick, he, he that was with the Vikings. He was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. He was the offensive coordinator with the Vikings last year. Eighteen yeah. percent was the lowest rate in the league by a lot. No other team was below thirty percent. League wide teams used eleven personnel fifty five percent of the time. So Stefanski, wow. his Vikings last year were one of two teams with the Eagles 
who used two tight ends on more than half of their snaps last year. And he also used two running backs a decent amount. And we know the Browns did that after Kareem Hunt came back. If you'll recall late in the year, uh, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and then Hunt and Chubb were mainly like their their guys that were used in the passing game that were getting targets every week. There wasn't a lot of a tight end presence, et cetera. So now what we have, I I, I think we're going to have very similar to the Vikings last year in Cleveland, not a lot of three wide receiver sets. You should not draft the third receiver in Cleveland. Um, they're going to be a, a huge anomaly in that sense. I think you're going to have Beckham and Landry on the field almost every play, and and they don't really have a third receiver option. Option Rashard Higgins is a free agent, but you have two good tight ends now. Assuming that David and Joku is still there, and he's cheap, they can keep him, and they can run these two tight end sets. And you still have the two backs because they tendered Kareem Hunt at a second round level. I don't expect anyone to to go after him, and if they do, um, the Browns could still choose to match. I, I think it's not good for Hunt's 4.6 receptions per game that he had. I think it's not good for Hooper to match the 7.5 targets per game he had last year in Atlanta um, based on how much Baker was targeting the running backs last year. I think it's not good for Chubb, who we were hoping would maybe grow his receiving role relative to late last year when Hunt was back and his receiving role really kind of fell off. So all these short area targets in Cleveland, there's going to be a log jam between all these guys that we want to be able to catch a lot of passes, especially if Njoku's still there doing anything. And we always kind of undervalue Jarvis Landry in fantasy football, but he's going to he's going to see targets. He always does. So this is there's a lot of fantasy relevant players, particularly in the short area of the field that are going to see a lot of targets. Uh, and, you know, even even with these two tight end and, and two running back formations where he's going to get those guys on the field more, it's going to be really tough for. Hooper and Chubb and Hunt and all those guys to make value. Oh, guess who's cool enough to join us again? Dave's here. Oh, hey, Dave. Yeah. Hey. Oh, you sure Sorry you're, about that, you're guys. here to stay? No, it's okay. Listen. I, for a second, HQ's I thought the building right was on fire. <laughs> you know, I, our, VP of, our VP of content, Kieran Portley, busts into the podcast room and says, we need you right now. And I'm like, oh, boy. So I, I hightail it out, and they're like, we need you on HQ. We got to react to this Brady stuff. And uh, I did that, and that was great. We had a lot of fun. I hope you guys get a chance to watch the video later. But, uh, yeah, I'm here, and I'm not too cool. We actually – we thanks. We missed you, too. We actually have pretty big plans with HQ this week. So it was another thing to be doing to kill the time while you're stuck at home. Turn on HQ. Download the CBS Sports HQ app. Watch it on your connected device. All right, so where did you move Austin Hooper uh, in your rankings? I did not. Where is he? He's right where he's been all along. Uh, okay, I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Would you? Neither do I. I got to bring it up. <laughs> okay. It's, it's fifth, fifth in PPR, uh, but he's closer now to Darren Waller and Evan Ingram than he is to Mark Andrews. Like Mark Andrews is the solid tight end four. Maybe could even make the case for him to be tight end three now ahead of Zach Ertz because there's no Hayden Hurst to siphon away a few targets week to week in Baltimore. So I'm surprised that you, you didn't move him down. And let me ask you a general question. We were just talking about what Stefanski did with the Vikings. Go on. He was under Mike Zimmer's thumb. You know what Mike Zimmer wanted to do. Do you think he looks at his personnel? I got Jarvis Landry. I got Odell Beckham. I got Austin Hooper. Now I got Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. Yeah, I do have a great running back, but I've got Baker Mayfield. who was the number one pick two seasons ago. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on Mike Zimmer. Let's throw the football. I think they've got Hooper because they wanted to improve their tight end spot. 
and there isn't a great tight end in this draft class, not one that can make an impact right away. And there really weren't a lot of great tight ends in free agency other than Hooper. And so they ponied up for Hooper. I think Mayfield needs a tight end. I went back and checked his, his touchdowns to tight ends in two seasons, 17 out of 45 career touchdowns. So more than a third have gone to tight ends. So I think they're looking for somebody with some stability there. I don't think that they are sold on David Njoku. Maybe Njoku will be their second tight end moving forward. Maybe they trade him and get whatever they can for him. But I think Hooper's going to catch a bunch of touchdowns. Not necessarily a slew of catches and yards, although I think from game to game the inconsistency will be there. But anywhere from four catches for 50 yards to seven catches for 100 yards, I think that's possible. And I still think that as as good as Waller was last year, Oakland's going to do something to improve their receiving core. And Evan Ingram, we don't know how healthy he can be, and he's got to share targets with everybody else in New York. So I think that there's this drop-off in tier from the top four tight ends to the other tight ends that are out there, and Hooper is just the best of that bunch for me. So I'm not as in love with taking him. I'm not going to chase taking him. I think he's a round six pick at the absolute earliest. But I think that's why he's going to Cleveland. So who falls off? Red zone monster. Who? So you you said that he could average fifty to hundred yards. I I think I think it's going to be Landry. I think it's going to be Odell. I think both of them probably. I think Odell's probably going to be right about where he was last year. Maybe a little bit better. I'm not crazy about Odell moving forward. Landry is. You know, we we've talked about Landry just being a great bargain guy, but I don't know if there's going to be a third receiver who steps up in Cleveland. I think I think Hooper there is won't it. be. Yeah, I think Hooper is it. And I think they run if they keep Najoku, and maybe even if they don't, I think they run a lot of twelve personnel, Ben. And they, yeah. they, they put a lot of tight ends on the field and they've got that balanced offensive line where now it's five offensive linemen, a tight end on either side, or maybe one split out, and you're not gonna know if it's run or pass, and they really try and make it easy for Baker to find reads downfield and to be successful. And I think Hooper can be a solid part of that. And let's keep in mind, Baker Mayfield had a bad year. So maybe it's not who falls off. Maybe Baker Mayfield could throw for 700 more yards. Would it shock you to see him throw for 4,500 yards? He threw for 3,827 yards with 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. He had a crappy year. If he steps up, everyone could benefit. That wouldn't be shocking, but the issue is Stefanski... We, we don't know. We don't know how much he was under Mike Zimmer's thumb, but they do still have Nick Chubb, who yes. looks like a legitimate, one of the best between the tackles running back, a legitimate stud, uh, you know, from a couple of seasons ago, who is maybe a top five between the tackles runner. If they're better, if Baker's putting up better passing numbers early in games, if they're leading games, aren't they going to run with Nick Chubb? Like, won't that happen? Well, their defense... they've got Hunt behind him. Their defense Sorry, they, won't be as good. They've got this awesome duo at running back that they can lean on quite a bit. And I, I would expect them to be very balanced. You know, playing yeah. from behind a bunch, that'll come down to their defense. And there will be games where they're just trailing and they got to throw. Yeah. But I think that ideally they'd want to be 55-45 toward the pass, which is how most teams that try to be balanced end up being. Yeah, well, their defense won't be, I don't think, as good as the Vikings' defense has been under Mike Zimmer. So I hopefully they'll be forced to throw the ball a little bit more. And maybe the the Browns... But then you're not drafting Chubb in the first round. 
because he's well, not going to catch enough passes. And if they're going to have to throw a lot, and he's going to have a hard time catching a lot of passes th- with yeah. Kareem Hunt there and with a good tight end presence. Kareem Hunt is the one that screws everything up to me. I, I, I can't stand the fact that Kareem Hunt is there. That does bother me and that takes the shine off a little bit because I think you can compare them to like the Chargers who have given us, you know, great season from Keenan. Like Keenan Allen's been great while Phillip Rivers is not last year. Phillip Rivers struggled, but he did actually throw for 4,600 yards. Um, but you, we've seen Rivers be a top 12 quarterback while Keenan Allen has been really good and the and Hunter Henry's been good and Melvin Gordon's been great, you know, and then it's like, what do you get from Mike Williams is kind of the X factor. That looks like, kind of looks like the Browns, except now they have now they have Kareem Hunt there too. I guess you could actually look at the right. Let's look at the Chargers, right? Rivers forty six hundred yards, twenty three touchdowns, twenty interceptions. Keenan Allen had almost twelve hundred yards. Mike Williams had a thousand yards. Hunter Henry, when he played, was a must start tight end. And Eckler and Gordon were both productive. Uh, so and they both were involved in the passing game. So can, and they did it behind a substandard offensive line. And I they, just they, so can they I don't be a think model? That's the right comparison, personally, what because do you think Philip is? Rivers is a guy. Like first of all, they trail all the time, and Philip Rivers is a guy who gets the ball out and is accurate in the short area of the field. So he racks up completions in a way that we didn't really see that a lot from Baker last year. I I think the Vikings are the better comparison. Where what they did last year, where Odo Beckham becomes the digs that down like probably not going to see as many targets as we would expect from Odo Beckham and more of a downfield role. Landry becomes the Thielen, and then you still have Hooper to to probably do more than Kyle Rudolph or Irv Smith Jr. out of the tight end spots, plus Njoku. And the backs in Minnesota did catch plenty of balls, but like it, it just it, it doesn't add up where everybody can can be as good as I think people are going to expect in fantasy. So I know Dave would take Hooper over Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram. How about you, Ben? I would take Evan Ingram over him, I believe. I know that Ingram is more of a health risk, but um, I think at tight end, there's enough breakout candidates that I'm going to be shooting for upside at that position. Um, Who was the other one you said? Hunter Henry. Oh, I'll take Henry over him as well. Well, we're just getting started, really, and we do need to talk about Hayden Hurst and you know a lot of other stuff uh, that maybe flew under the radar. We haven't touched on the Titans yet. It's good to see some continuity there. It's good to see Amari Cooper going back to the Dallas Cowboys for $100 million. Dave, tell us about yeah. one of our newest sponsors, Coors Light. Well, you don't want to talk about free agency and how hectic it's been and how it's kept me on the go like it has on this podcast for the last 36 hours and not getting a, a ton of sleep and hustle, hustle, hustle. The the NFL news cycle never Some, stops. It's someone crazy. needs a Coors Light, I'd say. Well, I think you're right. Um, I'm looking forward to, it's probably going to be about Friday at this point when the work week is done and I can just go home, kick it in my backyard and just chill out and take just a moment to myself to just relax. I hustled all week long. It's been a crazy week for everybody. I can just get my moment of chill and crack open a Rocky Mountain cold Coors Light. And it's just, it's, it's, it's my, it's my favorite beer to relax with because it's smooth. It doesn't taste strange like some of these other beers that are out there. And I've mentioned this before, Adam, there's no aftertaste. So it's not like you're going all the time, you know, it, 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 it goes down easy and it's just, it's a nice cold beer to just end the week with. So 
when I'm going to reset later this week and when free agency kind of tucks itself into bed on Friday night, I'm going to reach for a Coors Light. And uh, it's made to chill. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And I can attest because when Heath made me taste beer <laughs> at Super Bowl week, <laughs> I had an eight-hour It wasn't Coors Light, aftertaste. right? No. It, it was... It was the aftertaste was just awful. So I could appreciate yeah, a beer that doesn't I, that doesn't have. I that. tried the same beers you tried, and I had the same aftertaste. And I I wished for a Coors Light at that point. Yeah, thanks a lot, Heath. All right, here's the rest of the uh, news and notes. Cleveland signed Case Keenum, three years, eighteen million dollars, ten million guaranteed. The Bears appear to want Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. By the time you hear this, they may have gotten one of those guys. Las Vegas signed Marcus Mariota. Dave, who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Raiders? Mariota or Carr? Carr will start the season as the quarterback. Mariota will take over by week six. Oh, wow. They're going to downgrade in week six. Okay. Running back. Cleveland plays a second-round tender on Kareem Hunt. Where do you think Kareem Hunt should be drafted in a PPR league, Ben Gretsch? Well, yeah, for all the reasons I just said, I think his standalone value is going to take a pretty big hit. I don't think he can catch 4.6 balls per game with Hooper there. So I, he, he's still a, uh, an elite handcuff behind Chubb. Um, so when those first handcuffs start coming off for me, but that means I probably won't get him. I think it's like round eight, round nine. I think um, some people might be interested in taking him in round five, round six. I, I think he could be a consensus round seven pick. And I think that's one of the things that you need to think about with Nick Chubb is if you want to make the investment in Chubb, do you have to go and get Kareem Hunt? It's a completely different deal from last year because he's playing all 16 games. There's no suspension at this point. I, I think round seven is okay on Kareem Hunt. Just looking up where Kareem Hunt went, he went in round six uh, last week when we did our pre-free agency draft. Round six. Yeah, I bet, I bet he doesn't go that high when we do our post-free agency mock. And Tennessee released Deion Lewis. Do you think we get 30 catches from Derrick Henry this year? No. No. I, and I hate saying no. I hate it. I want him to get 60 catches. That's just not how Tennessee how Tennessee rolls. I skipped over some of the big news items that were sort of separated in my notes, but Dallas signed Amari Cooper five years, $100 million. Tennessee re-signed Ryan Tannehill four years, $118 million, with $62 million guaranteed. And they franchise tag Derrick Henry. So continuity for the Cowboys and for the Titans. That's, I guess, good to see. Makes things a little more predictable. Minnesota is going to sign Kirk Cousins to a two-year extension. $66 million will begin in 2021. Atlanta releasing Devontae Freeman, which we mentioned. Dallas is putting the exclusive franchise tag on Dak Prescott. And the Chargers are franchise tagging Hunter Henry. More news. Brandon Cooks could get traded, according to NFL.com. Cincinnati franchise tagged A.J. Green. Houston signed Randall Cobb. Let's talk about this. Randall Cobb, three years, $27 million, $18.75 million guaranteed. Boy, that's, uh, that's a lot more than... I mean, that's a lot, I think, for Randall Cobb, who is coming off a really good year. He had a career-high 15.1 yards per catch after four straight years where he was around 10 yards per catch. So, I, this is... This, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. French, they're terrible. The Texans are terrible. They're such a bad franchise. And of course this happened because I drafted them in my Omni Fantasy League. Thanks, Ben. And I jinxed them. But they're overpaying Randall Cobb. This is crazy. I don't know. Do you have any interest in Randall Cobb? He had a pretty solid season 
55 catches, 828 yards, three touchdowns on 83 targets. But I'm not drafting him. I don't care for. I don't care about this. You? I think this is them being over and done with Kiki QT, unless they're going to move QT to the outside to replace. De- I can't even say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they signed Randall Cobb and traded Hopkins for a second round pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just think about oh, this. Bill the, O'Brien is uh, kind of not good. They they got this. the 40th pick for DeAndre Hopkins. The, yeah, I know. The, the Bills got the, the 22nd, 22nd pick. pick. And there are other things involved. But and they, not only that, they have to take on the contract of David Johnson. I know. It's Thank horrible. God DeAndre Hopkins didn't go to Buffalo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank the fantasy gods. It would have been interesting. God bless you, little heavenly baby angels up in fantasy football heaven for uh, letting that happen. Let's get into Hayden Hurst. Tight end news. So the Wait, wait. What about Randall Cobb? All right, what about him? Put a little bow on it. <laughs> He's not good. Do not draft. <laughs> None of this is top. good. I'm with both of you. Okay. Let's just laugh about it. This is on. this is making me like Deshaun Watson less and less. Hopefully, Houston does something decent and they get C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy in the draft. Tight end. So the Falcons get Hayden Hurst for a fourth round pick from Baltimore. Oh no! So they got Hayden Hurst and a fourth round pick for a second round pick and a fifth round pick. And that fifth round pick, Baltimore sent to Jacksonville for Calais Campbell. That was awesome. Uh, Hurst was a first-round pick in 2018. So, yeah, I mean, I, I asked you about Hurst versus Jarwin. You guys prefer Hayden Hurst. Dave, is Hurst cracking your top 12? Not yet, but there's a chance he could end up at 12 once I have reasonable evidence to believe that he will be just plunked right into Austin Hooper's old role. And... There's the opportunity will be there. It's just a matter of how effective he'll be right away, if at all, in Atlanta. But to me, this isn't about the Falcons getting away from having a tight end in their offense that is a move tight end, can run downfield. I think Hurst is a little bit faster than Austin Hooper. They're basically the same size. Hurst just doesn't have the experience. And it sounds kind of weird that he fetched a second-round pick, especially the same day that DeAndre Hopkins went for a second round pick, but there there's a little bit of potential here for Hayden Hurst, assuming that he can um, continue to refine his technique a little bit, meaning that he just, he seemed to be used in a very simplistic way in Baltimore's offense. It was run behind the linebackers and turn toward Lamar Jackson. He did that. He either, he either did that or run 10 yards downfield and turn around. Lamar's going to throw to you. There's going to be more nuance in this offense, um, but Hooper ran a bunch of those types of routes as well. I really, I really enjoyed going back and watching them run the same types of routes, and I think Atlanta kind of knows what they're doing here. So Hurst is worth drafting. I don't think he's a top-12 tight end. I do think he's one of the, the blue chippers that you take as a second tight end on draft day, and I think a lot of people are going to do that in their drafts this year. Ben, what's your take on, on Hurst? And let me have you do some rankings first. Hayden Hurst or Ian Thomas? Or uh, how about rank these three? TJ Hawkinson, Ian Thomas, Hayden Hurst. It's tough not knowing who Ian Thomas's quarterback will be, mm-hmm. but um, I'll probably put him last right now because of McCaffrey and DJ Moore, who I both think will, will dominate targets. Um, 
I'll probably take Hawkinson ahead of Hurst, but I like them both. I'm a mark for Hawkinson, so I'm going to continue to put him ahead of Hurst. But let's just play out a scenario that training camp starts and Hurst is working exclusively with the starters in Atlanta. There's no competition there, and Hawkinson isn't getting as many rave reviews in training camp as he did last year with Detroit. That'll be an easy switch to put Hurst ahead of Hawkinson. Yeah. So I want to ask about Calvin Ridley, who I called a winner earlier because he was so much better without Austin Hooper. He played three games without Hooper and Sanu. He had 319 yards and two touchdowns on 32 targets in three games. It's on pace for over 160 targets. And then Hooper came back for one game before Calvin Ridley's injury, and he had another good game, five catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown, but only five targets against Carolina. It was a big difference, and it wasn't the Sanu news. It was the Hooper injury that really changed the season for Calvin Ridley. It was both. You can't say it wasn't Sanu. Sanu took a lot of targets. I'm looking at the numbers. I mean, his two games that he played with Hooper and without Sanu, he had four catches for 70 yards on seven targets. He had three catches for 28 yards on five targets. Uh, And then there was actually one more game, last game that he played with Hooper and Sanu. It was separated by that Hooper injury. But that was a good game. Five five catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown on five targets. But the targets are so different in the three games he played without either Hooper or Sanu compared to the three games he played with Hooper but without Sanu. That makes sense, right? Without either of them, when their passing game went from four options down to two, like, yeah, his targets continued to go up. I'm just saying it wasn't just Hooper being gone. I think it was both Sanu and Hooper. But regardless... Yeah. Like, like for me, I want to take a step back and look at Ridley holistically from the start of his career. He's been extremely efficient. He's been very productive all throughout 2018 and in 2019. He basically finished with very close to the same line in 2019 as he had in 2018, but he did it in 13 games because he got hurt. Um, and he had a, a couple fewer touchdowns, but he still maintained a pretty good touchdown rate. There's like no question that Calvin Ridley is going to be a huge breakout candidate this year. He's going to be in that Chris Godwin from 2019 type of discussion, and it's deserved. He's been very, very good, and we can break down one or two games with Hooper or Sanu out. The, the reality is he was better and has always been better when he's had the opportunity and gotten more targets. He's going into his third season, and those targets are going to be there. Like They, they, they have to be there. They're, they don't have other options. Even if they add other little pieces like Hayden Hurst, who I'm I'm optimistic about. I'm very um, optimistic he can be maybe 80% of what Hooper's been in this offense at tight end. But Sanu being gone was a big part of what Ridley did in the second half of last season, and, and he's still gone. So you're looking at Ridley being the clear number two as opposed to competing with Hooper and Sanu for the better part of a season and a half. And, and yeah, Ridley, very big breakout candidate this year. I think he has to be in your top 15 to 20 receivers. Yeah, he I, could I, even be higher. I wasn't that. arguing against him just for just for the record. I just was trying yeah, to give no, some yeah. some stats. Uh, so so how would you rather have? How about rank these three receivers: Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley. I've got Thielen a spot ahead of Ridley in PPR right now, and both of them are significantly ahead of Diggs. Significantly, okay. How about I don't you? Know yeah, yet. I can't. I can't get Diggs into my top twenty-four. I can't do it. Oh, I think that's too low, obviously. Because I, I know you I did, love Diggs. I know. The talent's great. His talent's great. I don't know about his quarterback's talent. 
and John. Brown, I think probably too. Phelan Ridley digs for me, but it's close. Yeah, I mean, is is assuming the Vikings don't make a big splash with a wide receiver, how does Thielen not finish as a top ten receiver? Is assuming he stays healthy. His role needs to be. We think his role is going to be number one receiver, top guy in the offense, plenty of targets each week. That would yeah. make sense now that Diggs is gone, and we've seen Thielen play inside and outside effectively throughout his career. That that being said, I think Minnesota is going to do something to try and improve their receiving core. I don't think this is B.C. Johnson coming to save the day as their number two receiver. There's almost no chance they bring in someone as good as Stephon Diggs, and you're talking oh, Adam Thielen. because there's nobody out there that's... All, no, they'd I, have they're, to. They're like, not picking high enough in the draft. They'd have to make a big trade. They'd have to like f- figure out a way for the Texans to like acquire a few really great receivers and then make a horrible trade with the Texans or something like that. But that's not going to yeah. happen. But yeah. obviously, Adam Thielen in 2017 was 12th in non PPR, eighth in PPR. 2018, he was seventh in both non PPR and PPR. I, if I'm dra- look, you might call me crazy, but if I'm drafting right now, he could be a late second round pick. I don't. I don't see why he wouldn't be. No, I don't think it's crazy. I I do think the Vikings are going to take a receiver, and this is an extremely good draft for wide receivers. It's 10, 12, 15 guys deep on names that you could make a case some years should be first-round picks. Um, and I fully expect that Houston's trade of DeAndre Hopkins and getting a two-back was with the intention of drafting a receiver in that second round. I don't like that trade at all, but... They're going to go try to pull a receiver in in the second round from a very strong wide receiver draft class because they also have to extend Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunzel in the in the coming years, and they didn't think they could extend Hopkins, so they get a rookie contract receiver. And I think the same exact thing is true with the Vikings. They trade Diggs. They're in cap tough cap situation. They get a one. They did a lot better with their trade. And I think that one or one of their other picks, because they have a ton, they have two ones now and, and a two, is going to go like a first or a second round pick is going to go into one of these top 10 to 12 receivers who are very good prospects. And that it, those are two now of the absolute best landing spots for all these wide receiver prospects. If you know, I had a favorite wide receiver prospect, that's where I'd want them to land. Let me make one very quick point, and then I got to get running back on HQ. Okay. They've got pick 22 and 25. If you use the draft pick trade chart, that's been floating around GM circles for years. They can move up as high as seventh in the draft. So what if they, they knock on Arizona's door, Arizona picks eighth and they're thin on draft picks this year. And they say, we'll give you our two ones for your one. Maybe you kick in something else and they go and they get CD lamb to be their number one receiver. And that's the replacement for Stefan Diggs. No, Adam Thielen is their number one receiver. Well, but Minnesota's probably thinking they need to do something at wide receiver. Yes, and, I agree with that. But yes, this year, class, Thielen is draft the class one. is loaded with a lot of guys. But if they can go and get the guy, yeah, okay, but they're, they're receiving their receiving core is set for several years. Yeah, yeah. Remember, they still Thielen, think they're Thielen's, a Super Bowl contender. Thielen's a little older than you know than you might realize. Like I know, I so, but, realize. Right, and they all need the more to address why it. They could use a young receiver. I completely agree. But in 2017 and 18. He was a top eight PPR wide receiver with Stefan Diggs being good. I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to come in and be better than Stefan Diggs. And in 2019, Adam Thielen, his first six games of the season, he was a top 10 wide receiver. And then he got hurt and his season was derailed. So yeah, you're not wrong about any of that. But I also, I like Dave's call. CeeDee Lamb is a really good 
um, replacement for Diggs from a stylistic perspective. 100%. Get, get the hell out of he here. Would be, he would be my uh, my favorite receiver in this draft class. All right. Bye, Dave. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Well, Ben, is there anything else you'd like to cover? Should we start talking about the Dolphins DST now? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that wasn't high on my list at all, no. Well, offensive line moves, we could uh, we could get into that a little bit. I think... I mean, I think the position, and we, we've hit on this, but I think the position that was, it, for fantasy, most impacted yesterday was tight end. We talked about Hayden Hurst, who has, you know, I didn't really go into it, but in my opinion, I think he does have top 12 potential. Dave was saying he probably has him outside the top 12. Blake Jarwin's extension and the fact that Jason Witten's probably not going to be back. You mentioned him a little bit. I think he's definitely a sleeper top 12 type uh, you know, back into the top 12 type. And then I think Austin Hooper really significantly had to fall back, which I mentioned. Um, and we know Ian Thomas and John U. Smith. And, uh, you know, even later in drafts, you can get Chris Herndon after his basically year off or OJ Howard after a disappointing year. There's going to be a lot of 2020 breakout tight end candidates. And I think those ranks are really in flux now. And I love the fact that Everybody's favorite breakout quarterback is, is Kyler Murray, with good reason. And a lot of people like Josh Allen. I see Josh Allen goes a lot later in our drafts that we've done. In fact, I'll go ahead and give you some evidence of that. We just did a PPR draft last week. Three receivers. Kyler Murray went at the end of round seven. And you know how it is with us. Quarterbacks go late. Josh Allen. Oh, he went in round nine. That's kind of earlier than I would have anticipated. But that's a guy that I always target. I just love the fact... Well. In some ways, I sort of hate the fact that Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs. That probably means I'm not going to be getting Josh Allen anymore. <laughs> yeah, he was already kind of a consensus top 10. I bet he will be ranked QB6 or QB7 for most everybody. But Murray gets Hopkins and Allen gets Diggs, and that's just that's really exciting for the quarterback position. And Baker Mayfield gets Austin Hooper. We, we should not sleep on Baker Mayfield. It's a very, very talented offense. Hopefully their defense isn't that good. And they'll have to throw the ball a lot. In terms, and they signed Jack Conklin. I mean, you said you mentioned O line moves. They signed a really good tackle yeah. as well, which they need some help protecting Baker. They got all the skill, position, talent in the world, but um, they had some holes in their offensive line last year. So that was a big signing as well. Baker's, yeah, I, I like Baker's upside. I think you know I mentioned that I'm concerned about the target numbers for Chubb and for Hunt and for Hooper. And obviously for Njoku, who now looks like he has no fancy relevance at all. But the fact that there's that target crunch, maybe not good for those individual players. It's great for Baker. He has so many weapons. Yeah, I'm trying to find some other thing. I mean, no team has obviously really, really upgraded on their offensive line. Except maybe Cleveland, because Conklin was a big get. Uh, three years, $42 million, $30 million guaranteed. The Colts re-signed Anthony Costanzo, keeping their left tackle. That was nice. The Lions gave Halapalavati uh, Vitae five years, $50 million. Not sure how that one's going to look. That was kind of panned. Yeah. Uh, he's that, that He wasn't necessarily worth that. The Dolphins signed Eric Flowers, who's been a punchline for most of his career. Three years, $30 million, $20 million guaranteed. But he actually turned his career around when the Redskins moved him to guard. So that could help them. I don't know. Offensive line hasn't been super, super interesting. We'll see. Like like the Titans losing Conklin, they're replacing him with Dennis Kelly, who was already on their team. We'll see what happens Not, there. Yeah. 
I think that's a big, big blow for Henry and for this offense. The, their offensive line was obviously really important for how good they were able to run the ball in their play action game and everything. And losing Conklin as their, you know, one of their best offensive linemen is not, it's not positive for them being able to repeat their efficiency, which like Heath, for instance, has already been talking about how difficult it will be and how they're in line for regression already. Well, yeah, breaking down your offensive line, that's what happened to the Rams last off season. You know, that's yeah. why they were uh, kind of a mess in 2019. That's a big part of why the Browns didn't hit their upside or the Cardinals didn't hit their upside. The offensive line stuff's important and that's a pretty big knock for the Titans. I don't think it's quite to the Rams level yet though. You know, it's just one no, guy. No, sure. And they, hopefully, you know, the, the, the core is still there and good enough. And defensively, teams can change their fantasy fortunes by getting better on defense. And the Giants are one team that I'm really looking at because they need, I think, to have a bad defense for those receivers to be consistent fantasy contributors because they're that's a team that just has way too many mouths to feed. I don't think the moves they're making are really going to cure their defense just yet. They have to get a pass rusher. They're going to sign James Bradbury. I like that deal. Signing Blake Martinez at linebacker, sure. But th- right now, they still could have one of the worst defenses in football, which, considering they want to be a ground-and-pound team, I think that's pretty significant. If you have Daniel Jones, if you have Darius Slayton, if you're hoping to get any consistency from Shepard or Golden Tate or maybe even Evan Ingram, the Dolph- if the Giants get a good defense, I think that would be a big problem for the passing game. But I think we're a ways away from that. Probably the same thing with the Dolphins. Byron Jones, best corner on the market, five years, 82, fu- 82 million, 57 million guaranteed. Pass rusher Shaq Lawson, linebacker Kyle Van Noy. Dolphins are going yeah, places. Do- Dolphins now have a really good cornerback tandem. It would not be surprising right. if their defense is very good because they have Xavier Howard, who's been a pretty legit cornerback for years, and now you add Byron Jones, who has been as well. That certainly can can st- really jumpstart their ability to be uh, a competitive defense. And I love the Ravens getting Calais Campbell. I mean, I know he's a little pricey, and Michael Brockers, and Michael I mean, they, Brockers. They yeah. got ran all over, you know, by against the Titans in the playoffs, and they just their their defensive line is going to be a lot better this year. Yeah, that's that's a fifth round pick for Calais Campbell. Some salary cap relief, I guess, for the Jaguars. He's making fifteen million dollars this year, but um, fifth round pick for Calais Campbell is pretty sweet. Okay, man, uh, thank you for your time, Ben Gretch. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. We're gonna have another busy day. The quarterbacks haven't fallen yet. We don't know where Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston, and Tom Brady are gonna go. That's going to be the next big wave, hopefully, in free agency. We'll either talk to you later today on Tuesday with an emergency pod or Wednesday morning to recap everything. For Dave Richard and Ben Gretsch, I'm Adam Azer. Have a good one.